we as a large organization uh, realized a few years ago that there's a lot of innovations within our organization. Uh, so our colleagues on the ground seeing daily problems, they had ideas of how to solve them in an innovative manner. Mm. Um, and also we realized that there is an, an external ecosystem of startups and companies, NGOs and academia that also want to uh, try to find solution to the biggest problems on the planet. It's Yaniv, and you're listening to the School of Innovation podcast. My guest this week is Hila Cohen. Hila works at the United Nations World Food Program, or WFP, where she is the head of business development for its Innovation Accelerator. 2020 has been a huge year for the WFP Innovation Accelerator, The WFP won the Nobel Peace Prize and its Innovation Accelerator was named by Fast Company as the best workplace of the year for innovators and innovative teams for its work in identifying, nurturing, and scaling disruptive startups and innovations to end global hunger. They now run programs for external partners such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation focusing on primary health care. Ila worked at WFP for three and a half years before joining the Accelerator in 2015. Before that, she worked for four years as a high-tech corporate lawyer in one of Tel Aviv's leading law firms. She holds an MBA from the SDA Bocconi School of Management in Italy and a Bachelor's in Law from the University of Haifa in Israel. Here's my conversation with Ila. Enjoy. Hey, Ila, welcome back to school. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much. So it's so fantastic to have a fellow Israeli on the show. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, a, it's a rare chance. I don't get many of those. And when it happens, it, uh, it truly makes me happy. So thanks for being here. I'm, I'm very excited to be here too, Yaniv. So um, maybe we start with a little context. Uh, could you tell the audience, our listeners, who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Hila Cohen. Um, I'm head of business development and the chief of staff of the WFP Innovation Accelerator. Um, WFP is a United Nations agency. Uh, our full name is the World Food Program. Uh, we operate in um, more than 80 countries around the world, uh, serving people uh, suffering uh, from hunger due to uh, climate shocks and conflict. And uh, we are a very operational organization. Um, we have 18,000 employees around the world, um, really uh, dealing uh, on a daily basis with some of the most complex uh, situations that you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and the WP Innovation Accelerator was founded uh, five years ago in Munich, Germany, but we are in a global accelerator with a global reach with a number of uh, local hubs as well. That's fantastic. And, and you guys won the Nobel Prize recently, right? Yes, we won uh, the Nobel uh, Peace Prize. Okay. Um, it was a very special moment for the whole organization. And I think it, it's not only important for our organization as a humanitarian organization, 
uh, but I think it, it brings a lot of focus um, on the topic of uh, global hunger. So we're, we're very happy that it gets this uh, global attention at this stage. That's incredible. And, and I'm sure that as an Israeli, you know, the, the Jewish moms were, were pretty proud of you, right? For, for being part of an organization that wins the, the Nobel Prize. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a, a pride for um, for both my parents, I have to say. It's actually my dad <laughs> who called me uh, to tell me about it. He usually doesn't call me in the middle of the day. Um, so I thought it was actually a family emergency when I heard about it or when he called me. And then he told me uh, that he heard we won the Nobel. And uh, in the beginning, I thought it was I wasn't sure if he was serious because he's, he has a, quite a good humor, my dad. Um, <laughs> but he actually meant it. And I was actually in a Zoom meeting with my HR colleague, Katrin. And I was, I, I had to unmute the call and say, Catherine, we won the Nobel. It was a very exciting moment. <laughs> um, so that was on the personal level was very exciting. Um, and at the organizational level, I think um, for, I've been with WP for eight years. So for people across the organization, it was, it was so much pride and uh, so much excitement for, for the recognition, especially for uh, my colleagues who work in field locations and very tough locations on a daily basis. So I'm very happy with, with this very special moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's definitely uh, an amazing accomplishment. So Mazel Tov. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm wondering, it, did it change you? Did it change like you as a person and, and what you do? Or maybe did it change the organization? Because it's, it's a pretty big win. Um, I don't think it it changed me. I think what it actually did was um, more of my friends now understand or heard about the organization I work mm -hmm. for. Um, people don't always associate the WFP. Well, they don't hear the United Nations World Food Program. So uh, also also in Israel, but um, other in other locations as well. So it's great um, that the cause of WFP as it links to zero hunger. Uh, of ending that big problem by the end of uh, 2030, got the, the global stage. Um, but also the rest of the sustainable development goals um, got much more attention, I think, due to this, uh, to the Nobel Peace Prize. So I think uh, the change is more that the world knows more about us. Yeah. I think many people already know, but it just opened it to new audiences. So I think that's the, the change. Um, but I, I've always been proud to work for WFP. Um, so it, it just was, it's just an added element to be proud of. <laughs> yeah. It, it increased the, the cool factor, the coolness yeah, factor. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the WFP. Um, you talked a little bit about what it is, but I'm curious to know more about the accelerator. Like I didn't know that you guys even had an accelerator. What is it? Could you share some more uh, details about it? Sure. So um, the goal of the um, WFP Innovation Accelerator is to sort, support, and scale um, global innovations to disrupt global hunger. Hmm. And what that means is that we as a large organization uh, realized a few years ago that there's a lot of innovations within our organization. Uh, so our colleagues on the ground seeing daily problems, they had ideas of how to solve them in an innovative manner. Hmm. Um, and also we realized that there is an, an external ecosystem of startups and companies, NGOs and academia that also want to uh, try to find solution to the biggest problems on the planet. So um, we decided to create an accelerator that A, looks for those solutions based on problems, statements that we create or just problems that we see on the ground. Um, and in addition, we wanted to create a facility or a structure that could work with our internal employees 
and also with um, our um, with startups and other external entities. Um, and what we've created is a certain type of um, bridge, because on one side um, we understand the language of startups. You know, we know what an MVP is. We know what they're trying. You know, different rounds of funding that they want, or you know, we understand what are their motivations, what are their challenges when they work in developing countries. And on the other side, we also really understand um, the realities of on the ground in the locations where WP operates. And I think that is, a, let's say, what, what we can offer to startups. That's our, let's say, value add to startups is bringing, uh, bridging both these worlds. Because sometimes it's, it's complex for a startup that wants to do good. Um, and uh, on the other side, uh, for a WP colleague, they might not know what is, a, what is human-centered design or why do you focus on the user so much? So sometimes I feel our role is like a translator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we bring know-how to the teams um, from, from WFP, from the private sector, um, and they can come to our boot camps. And we can also give funding to run pilots with WFP. So um, I think that's, you know, we have a certain value add that we've honed over the last uh, five years. And you, you mentioned these locations that you, that you work across. Um, what are they? Where, where are you? Where do you guys operate? So um, the World Food Program operates in 88 countries around the world. Uh, predominantly in locations such as Southeast Asia, Africa, and South America. We also have um, some operations in um, the Middle East and the Caribbean. So it's we're, we're very, very global. That's, that's incredible. So I've got a ton of questions now. Um, you know, all these different regions, like how do you maintain um, your, your quality, right? The quality of service that you provide. So I, I have to say that we started in a very humble way five mm. years ago. So the full portfolio of activities that we provide today weren't like that in day one. And I think um, the, the focus and then the intention in the beginning actually strengthened our program. So it's much stronger today mm. because we, we started with um, a program where we were sourcing innovations, uh, running innovation boot camps. Initially, until March, it was in-person uh, boot camps, and now we do them uh, virtually. Um, and then we had a sprint program where we uh, fund uh, startups, giving them up to $100,000 to run a pilot with the World Food Program in a field location. Hmm. Um, and we also provide mentoring and other elements during that phase. Um, and I think what um, those humble beginnings um, enabled us to understand what we're good at, what we want to focus on, and what the startups need. And we had different learnings on the way, what we assumed was more important or was less important. And then we were able with time to add add additional elements. Like today we have a big focus on frontier innovation. So what does the future look like for the humanitarian work? But we also learned that scaling just doesn't happen automatically um, and that you need to put intent into scaling innovations in developing countries. So that's something we also added about a year or a year and a half ago. So it's, um, we have a very strong core that gets, uh, let's say it grows or adapts as we, based on our learnings. So I think that's incredible because you guys embody basically the, the type of mindset you want to support. Like you were a startup when you started, right? And you created an MVP and it was uh, rugged and rough and scrappy. And then you built up on top of that added features as you went based on, and you mentioned this human-centered design approach based on what your quote unquote clients needed, right? Yes. 
the clients are are the startups or the teams that are uh, external to us, and we need mm-hmm. to understand what they need. Our clients are, and the users are the internal WFP teams that also have a lot of knowledge um, that is also valuable when you innovate. Mm-hmm. Um, and our clients are also the WFP country offices um, and and the beneficiaries for whom we're solving problems. So it's not about what, um, let's say, I as Hila think is is most important, but um, it's always seeing is the innovation that we're creating actually helping our country office to better serve the people that WFP focuses on? And I think that is always um, on our mind. Um, and with COVID, it's sometimes a bit more complex, um, but um, but it's still always on our mind how we create, um, let's say, the best uh, experience mm-hmm. and the most robust and relevant information for teams um, in person or in a virtual reality right now. It sounds like a really intricate Um, system of I guess right the intricate system to kind of balance all these different stakeholders how do you I'm curious like about your typical day or maybe a non-typical day like how do you do that and how how does it work maybe we could give the audience a bit of a peek under the hood if you will so um, I think it the, the typical day depends on your role in the team hmm. um, I have a more let's say uh, um, uh, cross-cutting role across the team Uh, also as a chief of staff. So I look into topics. My morning can start with a certain uh, HR or recruiting topics. Then we move on to procurement topics and uh, just to understand how do we work with a startup or uh, maybe we have some legal issues to look into. Um, then sometimes it's to look about what's our planning for 2021 uh, because now with COVID reality, are we going to continue to do um, virtual boot camps What does that mean? How do our p- pitch events look like? Um, we're now doing, for example, our next boot camp is in collaboration with um, a new regional bureau that we're, um, a regional innovation hub that we're opening in Nairobi. So mm-hmm. we're coordinating with them. How do we create a, 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 a strong experience that fo- uh, highlights our work in East Africa together with other startups from around the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it might, uh, uh, my day might end with Uh, helping a certain team uh, on a mentoring question. So my days are quite um, <laughs> change on uh, a day-to-day. And when you work also in a large organization, I think this is important. Like when you innovate in a large organization, yeah. I think you also need to manage all kinds of different relationships and processes internally. Sometimes you um, change the processes internally, so you need to give inputs to that. So really my days are um, are very varied. I think that's the exciting part of my job. Uh, but it's also sometimes, you know, it, it's just, uh, it, it requires creativity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Do, so I'm, I'm kind of curious about the people that work uh, within the accelerator, because you mentioned creativity. I'm imagining people, um, you know, with post-its, um, you know, kind of super creative, uh, brainstorming sessions, things like that. Is, is, that what it's, is that what it is? Or is it something different or a combination of I think it's a mix. Um, I really, um, my my mantra and my team knows this, is that um, to make uh, innovation imp- impactful, you actually need to know how to implement it and mm-hmm. see how you create results on the ground. So I think it, the work doesn't stop at uh, the post-its. I think it's sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's actually how you actually bring it into reality is actually the tougher part. Um, so um, And so in that sense, I think it's a mix 
in is and I think in big organizations, whether it's a, a UN agency or any other big organization, or I think even in a small accelerator, you actually need to think about how do you translate your ideas into reality. Um, so I think there's a lot of thought put into that. Um, in our team, just I can tell you, we have a, we're very proud. Um, today we're a team of around uh, 50 people uh, wow. from 30 nationalities. Um, but the diversity is also about the backgrounds of people. And I think in a team like ours, you need that. We have people with experience in humanitarian and development, development work. We have people with experience in design thinking uh, or working with NGOs or ex-entrepreneurs or ex-consultants. Some of also need some really good operational people. So you need to have a solid procurement team, a solid partnerships team. So it's, it's a really, um, I think the beauty of our team is that there's so many uh, different types of uh, ways of approaching um, problems. So some people might come from a more uh, design thinking point of view. Some people will come from, let's say, a bit more a programmatic point of view. Uh, some people will come with uh, different like process questions because we're part of a big organization. So it's, it's an ongoing conversation. And um, we always need to find, you know, within our organization, what are, where do we feel comfortable to be uncomfortable? I think yeah. that's a, that's amazing. That's kind of the, you know, the the design thinking dream come true, right? Having being very inclusive, um, having people from uh, different backgrounds and have, sharing their different perspectives and kind of, uh, you know, creating a really interdisciplinary type of a of a team. So that's that's incredible. Um, you you said two things I wanna I wanna touch on, and it kind of moves us, I guess, to to. Sort of this next set of questions that I have for you, you said uh, you said impact and you said operational, like getting stuff done. So let's talk a little bit about that because I couldn't agree with you more. There are too many people spending time on post-its and less doing stuff on the ground. So how do you actually translate the post-its to on-the-ground work, especially you know in an organization with 88 different locations? That's one question. And the other one is, let's talk a little bit about impact and how do you measure impact for your organizations and different stakeholders that you have? So the actually interesting part about um, the impact, it actually starts in the sourcing phase. So um, um, we run challenges um, that are public that um, anyone can apply to on our websites in innovation.wp.org. Um, it's open to our internal colleagues, but also to startups, NGOs, academia from around the world. Um, and what's interesting is that we, um, for our accelerator program, um, we actually look at impact actually from the sourcing phase because, and this is a learning that we had from our initial days. In the initial days, we thought if we found a very interesting team, Anyone in our global offices would say, oh, that's a great solution. It will solve me a problem on the ground. Mm -hmm. And what we realize sometimes that when we, let's say, you know, sometimes you fall in love with a certain startup, it happens. Yeah. Um, you're really excited about them. But then you realize you go to your global offices and say, hey, would you be interested to test this solution? And they say, this does not solve an, a problem for me. Hmm. So we, what we did was um, afterwards, we realized that we from the sourcing phase need to do a matching. So what we do now is before we even bring a team to a boot camp, um, one of our five-day programs that we do in person or in a virtual uh, um, setting, um, we actually look at the startups and then match. Is there a business unit in our headquarters that would be interested in this solution? Is there a country office maybe in, 
in, in Tanzania, maybe in Egypt, maybe in uh, Laos, would they be interested in that innovation? Yeah. And if we don't find an, an, a matching, the, the team would probably wouldn't be invited to our program because our impact is through our field access. So we have to have a match and a demand for the solution. So it doesn't stay at that idea stage that we discussed before. So for us, it's from the sourcing phase. And then also during the bootcamp, we actually also bring now the startup team. I'm just using a startup as an example. We will bring the startup and the colleagues from that specific country office to check, is there actual match? So we go from the paper, like ideas and conversations to actual conversations, going with them on, you know, let's understand together what is the user that you envision what is the user that the, the country office envisioned? Are we yeah. speaking about the same use, user? Do we have the same, let's say, uh, vision in terms of a potential pilot together? So um, the impact is actually created, is defined from an early stage. And that was a learning from us that um, the team, the, both teams are critical. The startup team is critical for our success and the solution they provide and also the match to our um, country office. Okay. And this happens in the, in the bootcamp, during the bootcamp? So the sourcing happens before. So we sort, we get, I can tell you to date, we've had more than 6,000 applications to our program. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, we've run more than 30 innovation boot camps um, in person and mm-hmm. virtually since wow. March. And we've funded more than 80 print projects, which we give $100,000 uh, to teams and also give them mentoring and access to our field locations. Right. Um, so these numbers also include, I should mention, we started with running only the WP Innovation Program. Um, we've now expanded um, to support um, um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in some mm. of their innovation work, um, UNFPA, and uh, a program called a Humanitarian Grand Challenge. So it's okay. so we've expanded also realizing that we can support the sustainable development goals and the innovation work, not only for ourselves, but also for other entities. Other so, and we've taken all these learnings from each of our programs and cross-pollinated them. So, what happens during this bootcamp that you mentioned, this five-day bootcamp? Um, so, the bootcamp. Um, so, in the past, we would fly in uh, to Munich, but we've also done it in other locations. We run a bootcamp in San Francisco and one in Dar es Salaam. Um, and uh, the bootcamps is a five-day program, and it's. I like to mention the five days because we tested uh, three days. Okay. Uh, a version and a 10-day version and we realized that the five days for our needs is the Mm -hmm. optimal uh, amount of days and what we do is we really go through a a human-centered design journey um, while looking at the business model uh, while bringing um, and we just go over five days different elements of key elements that are we find as the most important for a project to succeed and so we do the user journey. We check the assessments, the sorry, the the assumptions of the team, because I think many times you assume things about the user. But when we bring our colleagues from the country office, they can give insight. What is um, the, the needs of a, a mother in this in, in, in that reality? What are the needs of farmers in that reality? So depending on who's your uh, we, we have a deep dive into who is the user. We look into the business model. Um, we look into the we help teams work on their pitch because I think pitches are such a strong tool, not only for innovation um, activities, but it's really a strong communication tool. So we work with the teams to hone their pitches because mm-hmm. we also run a pitch event. So um, after the bootcamp, so it's, it's a five day program, very busy. 
with a lot of um, also um, pollination between the different teams that come to our program. We usually have between eight and 12 teams per boot camp. And during this boot camp, do they, they meet their, I guess, stakeholders? The startups meet their, their stakeholders or their, uh, I guess, champion office? So yeah, so we try to, in, in our program, when we run it for uh, the World Food Program, yeah. yes, we bring in, um, we try to bring in the country office to be involved. Um, well, we, we run the program ourselves, but we also um, rely on a lot of um, mentorship. We want to bring them, it could be experts from WFP about mm -hmm. nutrition or about uh, logistics in, in different locations. And that is, you know, knowledge that is not easily accessible. Even if you Google it, it's not the same as talking to someone with the actual experiences about these topics. On the other side, it's also very important for us to bring um, experts from the private sector. Um, so we've worked with different um, innovation programs like uh, Google Launchpad, and they've they've uh, brought us their uh, private sector, let's say, mentors, like mentors on marketing or on UX, UI. So uh, we, really, we really want to give, let's say, a rounded um, mentorship uh, to teams. Uh, we yeah. provided during um, the bootcamp, and we also give mentorship after the bootcamp as well to the uh, to the teams that we we fund. Um, so it's a really a we try to make the five days as you know robust as possible. So even <laughs> if a team doesn't get funded by us, they do get value from those five days. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, the five day bootcamp does sound like I'm, I'm thinking about my own bootcamp. You know, in, in in the Israeli military, it does sound very close to that. Um, mm -hmm. Do they get to sleep or is, is it yes, sleep? That, okay. Yes, we, it's important. People need to be well rested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, so I want to ask you about um, commitment. Okay. Because you, you mentioned ma matchmaking many times and like in any relationship, things might not work out and, you know, uh, the relationship, you break up essentially. How do you get... so? I'm assuming that the startup and the country office, they have to commit upfront. Like if the match is good, there's a good fit, they have to commit. What do they commit to and how do you, if you can, ensure that that commitment holds? So I think in our case, um, you know, in most cases, the commitments work out, you know, okay. and it's just a, like it's, it's a, we work with certain country, we, we, we as an accelerator work with our country office to help plan the pilot, you know, enable all the internal processes that we need to do in order to uh, facilitate the pilot on the ground, the transfer of funds to the startups. The accelerator has a very um, uh, active role in that. Um, yet there's also realities that uh, we operate in and WP operates in many emergency locations. So suddenly, you know, priorities can change. For example, mm -hmm. if there's a country that suddenly has an influx of refugees, then, you know, they have to focus on that emergency. And then maybe the timing for the pilot uh, will, will get postponed or it will get canceled. And, you know, I think that's part of the reality when you work with an organization like ours is that's part of like uh, our daily realities. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, and there's other reasons, right, that things don't work out. Sometimes by the time you know, we want to go into the sprint program, the startup itself has internal changes, or they want to focus on something else. So um, it, the, let's say the I think we we try to have a very strong commitment, but also there's reality that comes into the picture sometimes. Right. And, and you're flexible enough to kind of work around these things if they arise, I guess. I think in WP, you're, you're, you're quite used to it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. 
That's great. Um, we started talking about impact, but we kind of uh, went off track. I want to get us back on off on track before we wrap up. How do you measure impact in the accelerator? And maybe you could share a story that will kind of help us understand that what that impact looks like. Sure. So um, impact for us, A, in, in our realm of work, um, there's, a, there's a term that we use that's called monitoring and evaluation. Um, and it's just a way that you measure things um, to see, okay, we, we had certain plans. What are the actions which will, that we will take? And what are the, the certain outcomes that we expect based on those uh, actions that we, we thought about? Um, so A, I, um, we have a uh, monitoring and evaluation framework that helps us measure, that helps us define, okay, what is success for the structure as an accelerator? So we measure like how many, you know, it's not only about the amount of boot camps that we've run or the amount of uh, sprints we've run, but mm -hmm. what was the quality? What was the satisfaction rate of the participants? You know, we do all surveys, you know, we always continuously want to learn about um, how we've, uh, um, the work we've done. But we also measure um, the, the impact of the, the projects that we support on the ground. And um, it, it depends on the phase. For us, let's say after the bootcamp, there's the sprint phase. In that phase, you just you really are focusing on what are the learnings that we can capture of a startup working with smallholder farmers. So you're focusing on the actual learnings from a pilot. You understand that through a, a, a initial stage pilot, you won't get to 100,000 people directly. You, you aspire to that, but yeah. you also want to help the, the startup in their learning journey and also for WP and its learning journey of working with this a new service or technology. In the scaling phase, uh, which is something we created a, a more a detailed focus uh, more recently, um, that is where you really look at, you go deeper into the numbers of actually, mm. um, you look at the people, you lives you've impacted already in the sprint phase, but in the scale-up phase, it's much more intentful in the sense that you, you expect um, larger numbers. Okay. Um, so one um, um, project, uh, we, I can mention two projects that we have in our, um, our scale-up program right now. Um, the first project is called H2Grow, and it's uh, uh, related to using a technology called hydroponics. It's when you grow food without, uh, without soil. You just mm. need, uh, you actually need less water for it and you need nutrients. And it's very effective uh, to use in arid areas. Um, and it's not um, a technology that we created. It's existing for many years. The, what we brought into it is, um, um, let's say, introducing hydro hydroponics and making it uh, fit local needs in different locations around the world. We started this pilot in uh, Peru, where it was focused more on, on uh, women and created an additional income for uh, women in the urban slums of Peru. We then moved on to um, the uh, quite like different uh, area. We moved to um, the um, to a refugee camp in Algeria, uh, where uh, you have the Sawari refugees. And there, we actually started with a very high tech solution. Um, we brought these old shipping containers with LED lighting mm. um, that cost around forty thousand dollars, and it was very complex to bring these <laughs> old shipping containers into the desert. And we realized that it wasn't scalable. So actually with a, a local um, team member, uh, with Taleb, um, who um, we actually, uh, he was able to recreate, let's say the system with locally available materials. Wow. And that cost us, uh, it was 10% of the cost of, of the same system, maybe a bit less results of course, but, but the system itself cost us $3,000 uh, or, or $4,000. 
And it got similar, let's say, if you created it, you know, created some number of those systems, mm-hmm. you could create similar results. And we tested, does it need to be have plastic covering? Should it be in a mud hut? And then with H2Grow right now, the goal is that, and it's already doing this, it's already scaling. I think we're at nine or 10 countries around the world, including Kenya and, and Namibia, uh, Jordan. And the idea every time we go to the community and we understand, okay, you want to um, grow food locally, but is it for human consumption? Is it for your livestock? Because that is um, your b- biggest asset. And uh, by f- if by having health, your livestock, you create more of an income for you and it sustains your family. So I think that's, you know, we, we look at the impact at what is the impact for the direct people who use um, our systems and also the, the let's say, what is, is there any ripple effect um, on, on others as well? Um, the second project I wanted to mention is building blocks. This is much more um, a techie, let's say, innovation. Um, okay. And it's based on uh, blockchain. And there again, we started with a very basic assumption. This was actually a team that was in our 10-day uh, uh, boot camp, our only one that we ever did 10 days. Um, <laughs> I actually worked there with uh, one of my colleagues, Human Haddad. And at the time, he was a finance officer. And he really understood how money works within a, our large organization and how it ends reaches the pocket of uh, WFP beneficiary. And at the time, blockchain was a new topic. This was uh, probably four years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really, he knew how finance works with WFP. And then his goal was to understand how would blockchain translate to WFP. And again, we started with a tiny pilot with a hundred people in, uh, he came to the boot camp, and we went to a pilot with a hundred people in Pakistan, just to see would a transaction work. Then we went to Jordan, and uh, first pilot was with 100, uh, sorry, with 10,000 refugees, expanded to 100,000 refugees. And right now, Building Blocks is expanding to other locations, to one of the biggest refugee camps um, in, in the world, in Cox Bazar in Bangladesh. And we've reached, you know, where the numbers are rising. I think we're at 3,000 or 400,000 people using that system and improving wow. their lives, uh, using a new way to uh, give cash to our people we help using blockchain technology. Um, so it's, again, it's, it's the, the, I think the impact you measure in different ways, uh, depending on the stage of the innovation. Yeah, I, 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 I'm blown away. I just want to recap a couple of things that you said that I think were key here is, one, uh, you're using existing technologies. It's not about developing new cutting edge technologies. It's about using or maybe reusing these technologies in different areas for different issues, challenges, problems, whatever. Also, you're focusing on good enough solutions, which um, sort of like on a, on a local minimum seem inefficient or not good as, but when you take it up a notch, right? When you look at sort of like the, the, the local maximum, create a much bigger impact, which I think is, is an incredible approach, or I guess the combination of the two things is an incredible approach. So good for you. That's wonderful. I just, I, my humble part in all of this is like, how do we tell more people about what you do? So maybe could you share uh, your website, ongoing challenges? How can listeners get involved with what you guys are doing? Sure. So it depends which platform you prefer. You prefer. So on Twitter, you can find us on at WFP Innovation. Um, if you um, like to see things on your uh, LinkedIn feed, so you can follow uh, WFP Innovation Accelerator. 
Um, and uh, if you just like to check out our websites, it's innovation.wfp.org. And if you want to apply, um, you can just, there is a um, backslash apply um, on our website. Um, and we really try to share um, on our platforms, not only the activities um, that uh, we're doing, but also our learnings. I think this is something, you know, um, in the beginning we were so busy doing, and now we're, <laughs> we're realizing uh, that uh, we need uh, to communicate um, our work more and more. And, and, and the learnings, I think that's, it's not about the project, but what did we learn by running this specific project? So that's, that's the type of information you can find on our different platforms. That's amazing. And how can people maybe get in touch with you if they wanted to connect or ask questions or things like that? Sure, um, you can reach out to me. Uh, my email is hila, H-I-L-A dot C-O-H-E-N at WFP.org. So I'm going to put all of that in the show notes so people don't have to memorize it or anything like that. Uh, Hila, thank you so much for being on the School of Innovation. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation.